Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's chock full of bees. I'm Alex. (laughs) When you live in a town as cursed as Riverdale, the only person you can reach out to is a hot dog talent agent. And when you do, be prepared for darkness to follow. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 5, Episode 16, Chapter 92, Band of Brothers. So at the end of the episode, if there's time, we're going to get into some of your viewer questions and theories that you sent to us on various social media platforms. But first, well, it's not just Twitter this time. We got hit up DM'd on Instagram. A couple of things going on. Wait, people are sliding into our DMs? Sliding into our DMs. MySpace Tom was like, I have something to ask you guys. (laughs) Yeah, and people ask me in person, which is the original social media. Whoa. When you think about it. Nice. Right. No, oh, you don't have to no think. You don't media. actually have it's to just, think about it. You know, uh, Shakespeare being... was the original tweets. Oh, boy. Hmm? It's just okay. called being social. There's no media involved when two people are talking. Well, I'm... well there, it's content, though, Pete. Every and, interaction I have is content. And I only, media. I only talk to you guys 280 characters at a time. Oh, my God. It, and I, it's hard to regulate. Let me be honest. <laughs> oh, my God. I keep having to delete some of my sentences, make them shorter. Now, a little bit of a recap before we get into it. Those, there's actually a lot you need to know for this episode. So, yeah. first of all, Archie has been dealing with PTSD from his time at war. He has been seeing the literal ghosts 
of the men who died under his watch. In addition, there is a general named General Taylor who he has clashed with before, who gave him some very dicey orders. When last we left that, there was a news reporter who was maybe going to investigate General Taylor. We pick up with that this episode. Also, Archie has been living with Eric Jackson, who was in his troop. When he was at war, and Uncle Frank, who was previously his at war, troop. but not his at the same troop. Time. Uh, yeah, please. Oh man, the I don't know. Troop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was. In, they were in a troop together. Yeah. You know. Well, he does start off the episode saying that he'd like to take a suggestion, oh, and then they yeah. sort of just follow up on it from there. Indeed. So that's what's going on with Archie. Moving over to Betty, she has been investigating the mystery of what happened to her sister, Polly, that has absolutely destroyed her mom, Alice. Polly has been missing pretty much all season long at this point. And Betty has taken to the lonely highway home of truckers to figure out what exactly what's going on. We have seen occasionally she's also been helped by Tabitha Tate, who works over at Pops, with Jughead Jones. Now, Jughead has been dealing with problems of his own, specifically finally facing up to his alcoholism. Uh, he has started to go to AA meetings and uh, deal with a bunch of the stuff in his past, which includes things that have happened with Betty, a very uh, pointed voicemail that he left for her, also falling in a sinkhole that we don't really talk about this episode, and we don't really talk about the time that he was covered in rats, but I, I think that's an important bit of subtext. Rat mouth. Yeah, rat mouth. case of rat mouth. That's important for the episode, too. Uh, so that's what's going on with Jughead. There are a couple of other things that we'll probably get to as we walk through the episode. Moving over to Veronica. Veronica has started a money business with <laughs> Wow. It's called a money troop. It's called a money troop. troop. My area of expertise, crazy things happening (laughs) on Riverdale. My non area of expertise, real world money. Literally anything anything else. Yeah. Economics. Anything else. She started a money room, and it's a room where you talk about money. (laughs) Reggie and Veronica take cash. I mean, let's be honest, though. This episode of the show maybe only has slightly more understanding of how money works than I do. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of uh, television shows uh, these days, like uh, aimed at um, the the demo, uh, you have an SEC subplot affecting our um, middle twenties characters. Yeah. This is basically and, like watching an episode of Billions, honestly. Yeah, uh, trillions. sure. Sure. Great. Thanks for agreeing with you guys. Uh, just real blues. quick, because I know we just started our improv troupe. It's yes and, not just oh, yes. You okay. got to do this. Right, 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 not familiar right, right. with it. I'm in a money troupe where we uh, invent money. In any case, Veronica has been trying to get some money back since her estranged husband, Chadwick, blew all of it on some bad investments. Additionally, her dad, Hiram, has been going after Palladium that is buried under Riverdale. He's really interested in Under Blossom Farms, his old veins of Palladium. Hasn't quite gotten that yet, but he's got his eyes on it. And he also has a tiny town in his office. That's kind of important to mention. That's super important. So damn. It is very important. You know what, guys? Banks, safes, mm, no, no. You want to really get into town, tiny town hiding your money. That's Mm -hmm. how smart people do it. And that's some financial advice from uh, Petty's Pete. Petty's Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They'll never find the money in tiny town, he says. (laughs) Other person we should talk about, though, well, people, is Cheryl and Kevin have 
not started, but continued a musical theater ministry that they kind of stole from Cheryl's mom, Penelope, and they've been running it as their own private community theater troupe. So that's been kind of fun, and it stays pretty much at that level all episode and doesn't go wildly off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is a component, you could say, it does stay completely at like a musical theater level of logic and understanding, but truly... A wild episode dipping into, fully dipping into the supernatural at this point. Now, this is a classic episode of Riverdale in that we have essentially five trains running at the same time. Some of them intersect a little bit, but not very much. But because of that, I think we can probably talk through each storyline individually rather than walking beat by beat. So let's start with the crazy one. Let's start with Cheryl and Kevin and their musical theater. Now, Magic ministry what'd you think about what's going on here i saw a lot of split opinions on the old internets over the past day or so well i mean i guess you know church has gotten crazy i mean you got to be perform if you want to pack a church you got to perform miracles mm-hmm. you know every show you know what i mean you know like you know not just at the six o'clock but also the seven and eight o'clock so I feel like this is maybe a little bit more Kevin, I would say, than Cheryl. Like, Cheryl clearly loves it, and Cheryl is, by the end of the episode, doing the whole, if somebody asks you if you're a god, say yes thing. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this whole setup, like, this is Kevin, right? Like, this is Kevin being like, yeah, musical theater. I didn't get to do it in New York, so I get to do it for these prisoners. Well, let's remember, they're not prisoners. They walk into that church every day. Escaped cops. Uh, Right. Right. Uh, Kevin sets it up very cleanly when he says he was obsessed with David Copperfield as a child. Now, Mm. I don't know if I've ever told this story, but uh, (laughs) when I was a kid, uh, I was five years old. David Copperfield was performing at the Syracuse War Memorial, big theater in Syracuse. Uh, My brother was all signed up to be David Copperfield's assistant because our our aunt worked at the the local news station. Saw the box he was going to get into, took one look at it, said, no way. He said no. He said no fucking way, and he was three. At the Whoa! Time. Uh, and I, they, my mom was like, they were like, "What are we gonna do?" David Copperfield was like, "I need a kid," and my mom was like, "I have another kid. I that kid is your boy. Kid. I, that kid is your boy." JT went in the box. David Copperfield made me disappear. So this storyline resonated with me. I also have stigmata and can control bees. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Just one time with David Copperfield, then you can do all that. I, now, I only told that story because it was a, a, very rarely when David Copperfield comes up and I can throw that flex out there. But this storyline was wild. And I will say we had two Cheryls in this episode. Cheryl appears briefly in the Veronica storyline and she's like, I'm a regular person. And then by the end of this, <laughs> uh, this episode in her actual storyline, she's like, I'm a god. I'm a goddess <laughs> who can control animals with my mind. Well, you can't. He's the Aquaman of bees. (laughs) You can't. Kevin knew what he was doing. He was like, hey, you ever thought about sainthood? And then Cheryl immediately was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do next. She said, I need my halo and my wings. I do like this pairing. I feel like this is a pairing that we haven't seen a whole lot on the show. And this is very fun. And they're clearly having fun with each other. I, I'm very interested to find out why people hate it so much, because I saw a lot of negativity about it, and I do wonder if it's not 
it's because it's not taking a Cheryl and Kevin's trauma seriously at all. And right. it's definitely not taking right. church seriously at all. At so all. that may be the thing that people are reacting to. But as a Riverdale storyline, I think it's great. It's the exact sort of ridiculousness that we kind of expect from the show. Is it any more or less ridiculous than Cheryl suddenly becoming an amazing archer uh, a couple seasons ago? Like, I- I'm I'm here for it. And honestly, this is the fun I want this show to be having when Penelope walks in and the fire surges out of nowhere. Like, I love this is so fun. It's so, like, just over the top enough, but still able to be like, they could come back from this. They could be returned to ground from this. I, I think it's a blast. That's what I'm a little worried about is like, you know, if you heighten too fast in an improv scene, like making Cheryl a god early, like where do we go from here? I'm uh yeah, I'm a little I'm a little concerned about uh how we're gonna get Cheryl back down to earth so that she can be with Tony forever. You know what I mean? But I don't Maybe think we Tony need to will join her up in heaven where Ooh. God lives. Oh, there Ooh, we go. Wow. <laughs> Cool. Great point. Our theology expert over here, Alexander mm-hmm. Salmon, Professor Alexander Salmon. Uh, I think I, I don't think we have to return her to Earth. Uh, like I, at the end of the day, she's not controlling those bees. It's just uh, she, t- she takes the risk. She takes the risk, and the bees happen to follow suit. She also is holding like honeycomb, which bees love, and so do bears. As we all know, so, know. bees constantly are saying, "Me want honeycomb." Right? Yeah. Is that bees? Yep. Uh, no, no, I think you're thinking of leprechauns, where they're like, oh, yeah. come and get me, honeycomb. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'll cut you. A couple of quick because, things. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, all I was uh, going to say I about can... the storyline, is, so there's a couple of things real quick that I wanted to mention, just on the fun bent. Some of the most fun lines of this episode were part of the Cheryl and Kevin storyline. Oh, uh, like yes. Penelope, when she comes in, telling that just immediately cutting off their musical number and yeah. saying Jason yes. himself commands it. No more singing. <laughs> no more speaking singing. for a good chunk of the Riverdale audience. Not me personally, but certainly a lot of them. And then the yeah. line after that about, as you know, he was a young man of few words. words. As funny. soon as I heard that, I was like, Alex is lighting up over this. You love that Jason never gets to talk. I do. It's a good bit. Also back to the David Copter pre line, Kevin specifying that he's talking about the magician. Very funny. Yeah. I was obsessed with David Copperfield, uh, the magician, uh, just because she yeah. immediately obviously thought it was the character from the Charles Dickens book. Uh, and the Veronica scene, there were, this is jumping over all over you the place. You were all over the place. Well, hold on. But we mentioned the Cheryl visiting her thing where we were like, this is reasonable, Cheryl. Except Veronica got two amazing reaction shots in a row. There was a scene with her and Reggie where Reggie reveals that he's been sleeping with Hermosa. And when yeah. he walks away, she just gives the best grossed out face about it very fun and then at the end of the cheryl scene cheryl pieces out by saying kevin and i are performing our first miracle today and then walks away and veronica just has this long stare into the distance very funny yeah they really lingered on veronica in this episode um and she crushed it uh we'll get to that later but the line cheryl had for i am cheryl blossom queen of the bees yeah come on she delivered earnest (laughs) directly to camera i was like hell yeah we are fully on board for this um, I loved every minute of it. She I also shared the like, with Jason the Divine. I also like how like Kevin was like really into the Cheryl intros, but then by the bees when he's like, "All right, now bees." <laughs> well, he's scared he, of bees. Yeah, he hates bees. He's allergic to bees. I, if I'm going to think about this storyline seriously, I think 
what they're trying to do here. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that. (laughs) But I I think what they're trying to do here is do an overcorrection for Cheryl. She came back after the time jump and said, I'm destroyed. I am cursed. I need to be a recluse and keep myself completely away from everybody else in the world. I'm going to die completely alone. This is a total 180 degree overcorrection that she's doing where now she's like, maybe not that maybe instead I'm God (laughs) and everybody needs to worship me. And I think, yes, does that make any sense in real life? Not necessarily, but I think what we are going to see here to the point that you are making Pete is I think we're eventually going to see her meet in the middle of those two wildly different points and find some sort of even happiness and that's the point when eventually she and Tony will hopefully come back together. Well, I, I hope so. Good. I was just going to say, like, as far as like people getting upset, I mean, it was the things that they were doing. I mean, turning the water into maple syrup. Uh, you know, what I mean, like there was there was a sh- showmanship or whatever, but it was also a little like. What do you think people are like? You know, like it works. someone sitting like, oh, man, tur- water, maple syrup. I've got water. Well, to I be fair, be- turning water to maple syrup is what trees do. So that's <laughs> that's a little bit of natural magic for you. Wow. And, and honestly, if yeah, I'm at, I'm at church early on a Sunday and someone's like, look at this. I made a bunch of syrup. I'm like, it's breakfast time, baby. Yeah, Let's do community this. Community <laughs> are basically small mini pancakes, right? Oh, come on. That's a real oh, bright cider. Oh, or you've never had a good pancake in your life. Yeah, I don't know what you're... <laughs> if you think of pancakes as the, the... Like real crispy, driest... thin, like... Um, um, um. Very gross. Wow. I'm glad you haven't spent too much time in a Catholic church because those things be gross. <laughs> and neither have I. I've had them like once. It's like eating the little thing underneath a table leg that keeps the table from scratching <laughs> oh. the floor. Man, yeah, glad I'm Jewish where we only have matzah that's actually good. Yeah, a lot, every organized religion is like, hey, we're going to sanctify the worst food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let me also say, like you were saying earlier, Alex, this is a good spot for Kevin. I think Kevin has always struggled to find a great spot on the show to really like take his own space and be himself in a powerful way. And I, him working with Cheryl and really sharing the stage, literally. Ah, you're Cheryl. not sharing with Cheryl. He, he tried, he is, did he, you he, see he, that jacket he was wearing? He was looking good. Yeah, but then that was immediately after he was shut down. And then he tried to give Cheryl like one note. He was like, Cheryl, can we not do bees? And she was like, you don't give notes to Cheryl. I'm going to double down yeah. on the bees. I'm now the I'm queen. I'm sure Blossom. I'm the queen of the bees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think it's a it's the best spot I've seen for Kevin so far in the run of the series. Wow, that is a bold statement, but maybe what, what's what's been better? What's been better? Him like, and Fangs, cruising. him and Fangs, cruising. hanging out, to- cruising in the woods. I mean, when yes, he got his kidney is- stolen, that was a high point. Come on, man! No, Kevin has only had low points. It feels like, yes, and to see him like happy and using his skills, despite the fact they're using him to like potentially defraud uh, people uh, <laughs> down the road, it does feel like he at least is enjoying himself, which I like to see. Let's move it over to Archie and his storyline, a.k.a. the serious storyline of the episode, almost the total opposite of what's going on with Cheryl and Kevin. In this one, we find out that General Taylor is going to be 
honorably discharged. That pisses Archie off, and he basically spends the entire episode trying to take down General Taylor and exercise the ghosts of his fallen comrades. He admits what happened back in the day to Uncle Frank. Also, Eric talks about his role in it, and ultimately, they're triumphant, and they win this trial, and it's a very positive thing where Archie looks over and he sees these ghosts that have been bloody and caked in mud from war are sitting in the corner of the white worm and having a nice drink and probably enjoying a pussycat show or something like that. Wow. Uh, And they're in normal clothes. They're in not their fatigues. It was nice that Archie was Archie was like, hey, cheers to all these dudes in the corner over here that you guys can all see too. Cheers to to these dead people here. No, it's it's hard because, again, it's like this is really fast-forwarding a thing that is serious that people deal with who do go over and fight and struggle with, you know, PTSD and go through a lot as far as, like, who what kind of orders are okay and what is too much and, you know who led what into i mean it's it's a kind of a nightmare scenario and it's fast forwarded here in a kind of crazy way but it's nice to see that we kind of get some closure and can maybe hopefully archie can get some help or continue to get some help and have some kind of like heal time um and this whole i hope this doesn't mean that the bros are gonna move out because archie with his bro friends is hysterical like he bursts in the room hey bros bros did you read the paper today and they were like what yeah and like yeah look at this it, it is i mean it's sort of a larger comment on the episode and the series right now everyone of our main group here is so siloed off in their own worlds like archie's world is really just the dudes Right. Uh, Veronica's world is Pearls and Posh and Reggie and Chadwick here and occasionally uh, Hiram just uh, spinning his wheels in the corner. Oh, but um, So I'm excited. I feel like we're setting up for everyone to come back together starting next episode. But th- this story was, was very serious and I thought it was well handled. The the imagery at the top of the episode is haunting and the way well, he yeah, is visiting the families yeah. and he sees all of the soldiers sort of at their lowest, uh, bloody, like you said, Alex, when he's visiting the families, it's really was really good. Um, I have a question though about um, the use of Archie in like trench warfare. Mm-hmm. That's not something that is happening these in modern war, uh, really. So like, I'm curious, was that Archie's sort of memory we were in, and he actually was fighting in uh, you know one of the war fronts that we as a, a country are fighting in or have been over the last couple few years. Or, or was that really where he was fighting? I think that's really where he was fighting in a very Riverdale way. It's shorthand for war, because we've talked about this on the podcast before. Where was he fighting exactly? Where did he yeah. go off to war? Where was he shipped off? Who are we fighting? This seems to be an I active mean, war that we're fighting, which I, I understand the United States is mired in a couple of forever wars, and that's fine, but it's not fine. Uh, but in... <laughs> it's definitely not fine. It's great. I thought, immediately, I thought you guys. I thought it was super uh, clear. Coming out of the podcast, cut him off. Cut off his mic. Yes, I, I. I thought it was super clear, and I'm surprised you guys missed this. But when he was going off to fight, he got into that old bus, which is actually a time machine, and he went back to you know like some old timey wars. 
Well, it's very clearly it feels like World War II from all of yeah. their uh, fatigues and the trench, the trenches they're in. It's like right out of Saving Private Ryan. And I do think that matches with Archie, the character from the comic books, and sort of an idealized version of what war is, where you can be a hero by jumping the line and all those things. So to me, I thought it was an interesting maybe idea that Archie has he's sort of put that as the way that he sees his war as like fighting in the amongst the greatest generation and all of that. Um, when in reality, maybe he was actually in um, a battleground that our, our current soldiers have. Been or facing. a paintball range. Yeah, right. Oh. Cause that's the, <laughs> that is the vibe of at least the, the top of season wraparounds mm -hmm. that we were seeing. Yeah. I think I, I, I like what you're saying here, and I think that's probably the reason the show chose that setting versus what Archie is hallucinating or otherwise. You know, I think that's actually yeah. what happened to him. That's the type of war that he's fighting. To Pete's point, I feel like I might be a little more on your side here, but uh, it all depends on how it's executed going forward. If this really was the resolution of his PTSD storyline, like how it played out at the end of the episode with the, yeah, we won. And the, the sort of very upbeat note of the smiling Archie. That's not great because this should be something that he carries, or at least we touch on every once in a while. I don't think he needs to be rolling around on the floor, screaming at the ghosts around him or anything, but having even a note in the next episode of, yeah, I just got back from my VA meeting or something right. like that. I think that'll help continue the storyline. Um, and that'll that. make me feel a little better about what this felt like, which is we did it. We solved it. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I agree with you completely, but I do think this storyline did wrap up pretty well, I thought, and it's been running through, you know, a handful of episodes. And so I, I feel like at the end of this episode, we're setting up for the finale rack of this season, uh, dealing with all of our dangling uh, overarching plots. So the fact that this was wrapped up in a, in a clean way here, I thought was good as long as we get to see the echoes of it going forward. Yeah. Uh, let's move on and talk about Veronica's storyline, I think, yes. which is super fun, as we mentioned. Yeah. Veronica and Reggie, first of all, very oh. fun and very funny together. They are doing this scheme. They get called out by the SEC. This is some manipulation on Chadwick's part. Veronica very quickly phasers it out and decides, here, let me just do the quick recap of what happens here, uh, decides to... With the help of Hermosa, who has been sleeping with Reggie, grab some palladium from the tidy town in Hiram's office, tidy melt town. it down into doubloons, sell it Except with Cheryl, but not to Hiram, to a low bid, but enough money so that they'll be able to be financially independent when they're uh, assessed by the SEC. And then, as a little capper, Chadwick very dumbly went into a basically Uber for helicopters for rich people. That's and... When he crashed a helicopter in Martha's Vineyard, not Martha's Vineyard, whatever they call it, I don't remember, um, yeah. but they crashed the helicopter there. She releases that information to the Wall Beat Journal while throwing a party for Chadwick and all of his partners so that they'll be distracted. And ultimately, he gets taken down. His company gets taken down. Hiram doesn't get taken down. But Veronica, at least, ends triumphant at the end of the episode here. Just fun moves from Veronica in this section. Uh well, what's killing me is Veronica's villain monologues where she kind of reveals her entire plan to people is a little disappointing because it's yeah. like, why tell Hiram it was you? Because you're just going to put yourself on his crazy radar. You know what I mean? Like, tr 
you know, like enjoy it from a, a different, you know, I, it just seems like you're asking for trouble. The guy is losing it. He keeps valuables in a tiny little replica town. Like, why are you, you know, messing with this guy? I can't believe I'm saying this people, but I disagree with you completely. I love her villain speech. I think Veronica is becoming the new Hiram. All season, she's been, she keeps winning. She keeps beating Hiram. Hiram in this episode is a goof. He's in the <laughs> back of that auction. Waving thing in the auction. Waving his little wand. Ah, ah, hey, pick me, pick, pick me. me. Very and it's, it's funny. Hiram is funny. He it, is losing He's a lot. He's not funny. He is funny. He can't get his little bid in, which is an auction scandal. Uh, ignoring a paddle at, a, at an auction? Hoof. That is uh, grounds yeah, for dismissal. Did you see his face? He got that. She admitted it to him, and he smiled like, I know it was you, like confirming his whatever retaliation plan he's got cooked. Oh, in his head, he was like, oh, Veronica, there are three episodes left, and I'm the big bad guy, not Chadwick, so yeah. you're going to have to deal with me next. But also, that wasn't the end of it, Pete, because after that, she revealed the thing about stealing his palladium, which he went he, into his tiny town, found it, and crushed it to dust with his bare hands. Yeah, and in cried as he came up with an insane plan to get her back. I just don't know why you would keep poking the bear like that. Just uh, uh, why you, you're going to, he's going to try some bullshit. Cause when you, when you're bear, when your enemy bear is old and losing a step, you could poke that bear all day. <laughs> it's not a and good Hiram, idea. Hiram's not an old good. bear. Hiram's an old bear. I think he uh, you, has lost a step. Uh, in this episode, in this season, I think we are proving here, Hiram cannot keep up with Veronica. He is just crushing rocks in his tiny town. That's all he's got going for him right now. It's not smart. I think she's playing with fire and it makes me nervous. What do you think about Reggie and Hermosa as a couple? How are you feeling about that? Uh, Hermeggie? I'm, yeah. I I don't like them as a couple. I liked this scene a lot, though. because yeah, the phone it, call was fun. The phone call was fun. I think we're setting up some like classic love triangle, like fiery romance. The the old show Moonlighting. You got your Sam and Diane from Cheers. This is it's Veronica and Reggie. Is it man? Monica is rising right now. I didn't oh know God. where you were going with that. The love triangle is Veronica, her half sister, and Reggie. Is that what you're going for? Classic. I'm saying <laughs> it, it, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not that that love triangle will persist, but that sort of complicated stormy romance between two uh fiery characters and those two characters are reggie and veronica and i'm going to get them together i am still not getting romance from them necessarily i could see it going that way for sure but i don't feel like it's tipped over into romance yet and part of that may be that archie and veronica if you remember back several episodes ago are still, as far as we know, into each other and waiting for her divorce to go through. That's right. So they can decide to go for a holding the relationship. pattern. Yeah. They're in a holding pattern. Right oh, now. Holding pattern. Yeah. I know my f most satisfied in relationships have been holding patterns. Yeah, I'm like, always, Hey, just, can you, ooh. I just got some stuff. If you could just put your life on hold until I could get this cleared up and then we can continue. That when always I, works. That always works. When I was a teen who was time-dashed into being a 25-year-old, I was often told, wait for my divorce to finish and we'll not speak <laughs> until then. And then when we do speak, we're hot and heavy. Yep. Mm. Fall for it every time. So let's move over. Uh, I'm curious how you guys think we should talk about this because Betty 
But he doesn't exactly have a storyline this episode. Wait, hold on. Before we can't leave, we have to talk about the last big scene with Veronica, where she goes to Chadwick. She's got some good time girls. Oh, sure. With some. Yeah, she's the, handing out math basically to people. She's got the the jingle jangle briefcase. Yeah. Now I gotta um, ask you: when they opened up that briefcase, did you guys also think maybe Toffee was in there? Uh, the one on the end ah! had Toffee had Toffee with the kitty litter on one end no, and the food on the stop. other, and Toffee sat right up and was like, "I'm completely happy in here. Do not disturb. <laughs> Put me back in my cat case." When you. When you open up a, a briefcase like that to reveal that kind of drugs, I mean, that was just, I was like, oh, shit. Just real quick, copter cab, maybe not a great business model. Cat case, that's the future. Very good. Let's oh, launch this shit. Let's launch yeah. this shit now. Perfect way to take your cat to work. I'll talk <laughs> to home. the SEC and wrote it by them. Is that how that works? Yeah, we need to get them in a money room, and then we're going to be doing business. (laughs) Oh, I love doing business. That's one of my favorite things to do with money. So, and the last thing, the last thing about the Veronica thing, the the references at the end here. My boysenberry's blowing up. (laughs) The dude is wearing the pink hat. Just great stuff all around. Her speech. I can't believe you didn't like it, Pete. I absolutely loved it. So it's good. too much of a flex. I, I'm glad she had a moment and was like, I own you fools, and that's great, but telling the whole plan and well, how she did it, I, it just don't So here's the thing, not to belabor this too much, but I do think she does do that a lot on the show. I think what you're feeling, Pete, is she will walk into Hiram and say, ha-ha, this is how I got you, and here's a detailed explanation of how I got you. And then by the end of the episode, Hiram's been like, oh yeah, but Archie lost both of his hands. I did that as revenge, you know? So there's always some sort of turn there. This episode is different, though, because she does the speech. She lays it all out there, but she's also seen what Hiram's move is and gone ahead of that. Obviously, he's going to have a finishing move next episode. Yes. Well, he is. But at the same time, I don't think she she won here. She won at the end of this episode. There's... It's a small victory in a giant war. You're not... Uh, you got to be Why smarter in this, Veronica. Why are you scared of Hiram, Pete? What are you under his thumb? Huh? Hey, you have, you, li- have you wrestled him? That dude is an oiled up tank. You can't fucking win that. Well, fortunately, Veronica doesn't have to wrestle him. She just has to <laughs> flex all day on her organizational muscles. And when you're as, as cut and jacked as Veronica when it comes to running shit, you flex. You flex those muscles. Well, I'm just going to say... Hard. Not all problems make a phone call early and give you a week to get your shit together. You know, she's... I will say that SEC agent, that SEC agent felt a little lax. She was like, yeah, let me know when your books are cooked. Whatever's good for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Let's. Like I was saying before, it's interesting that Betty doesn't exactly have her own storyline. We get some... What are you talking about? Well, we get some good Betty notes here, but for the most part... She shows up, I think almost, nobody take this the wrong way, as auxiliary to Jughead's storyline, right? right, Before ultimately setting up something very different. How dare you? How dare you? She's nobody's auxiliary. She's not. But in this episode, Jughead Jughead gives the narration of her walking the lonely high rate. She's dressed as Polly. We do get a couple of quits notes of her by herself, getting ready to go out, putting yeah, the just blanket looking over in the Alice, mirror and just normal doing, makeup stuff. Doing straight up a seed for promising young woman. 
Great movie. Everybody should go yeah. watch it. I thought Great it was movie. Joker. I thought she was doing a scene from Joker. No, no, no. There's a scene oh. in Prophecy Got Woman where uh, Carrie Mulligan smears her lipstick just like that. It was a nice shot, though. I thought it was very good. And Lily Leinart did a good job. But all of this stuff is to lead up to this conversation that Betty and Jughead are going to have, uh, and then ultimately leave her in the place where she is at the end of the episode, which is Tabitha teaming up with her to go walk the Lonely Highway together, which Jughead, understandably, is very nervous about. But just to give a broad over of Jughead's story as well, because I think we could talk about both of them simultaneously, is Jughead is in recovery. He's in AA. He's going around doing his apology to her. Uh, he apologizes to Tabitha. And while he's apologizing to Tabitha, he finds out that Tabitha and Betty gave his book, the nonsense novel that he wrote while high on magic mushrooms, he gave it over to, they gave it over to Jessica, his ex-girlfriend to do God knows what with it. And meanwhile, Sam, the agent who has one client and all he needs is pages, pages from his one client. Uh, Dr. Tells, hot dog. Well, you gotta, you know, if you're going to have hot dogs of every meal, you're going to need, you're going to need clients. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope he knows that it's Famous. taking 35 minutes off his life every hot dog because hot dog famously famously expensive food <laughs> you can't just keep keep living on hot dogs you can't just you're gonna break it busted no no those things cost upwards of four to five cents to make each one of them so jughead in a panic uh finds out about betty he doesn't know what to do with the pages he ends up stealing oh, what a book from cora the girl he hooked up with at the beginning of the time jump who gave him her novel to read the rules of distraction and he passes it off as its own because it's very good. Sam loves it. But after a rather fraught conversation that we definitely should spend a lot of time on with Betty and Jughead, we fight. He confesses to it. He said, and he's also, by the way, fallen off the wagon. He confesses to it, tells Sam, no, it's not my novel. Sam drops him. He also gets dropped from Riverdale high. We should mention. And so he he goes back to pops. Hold on, he goes back to Pops, and Tabitha says, listen, just be in recovery, concentrate on your recovery. I got Betty. It's all good. So he's going to do that. He promises to go back to AA, and he promises to keep working at Pops. What were you going to say, Pete? Well, he not only does he say this is not my... He pl- he tells whose novel it is and says, I'll put you in touch. So it was actually really nice. Uh, yes. And he should have done it when she first gave him the... You know, it was about time he read it. Uh, but the, when he opened up that chest and pulled out the novel and then the whiskey, I was thinking that he was going to read it, then get drunk and like change some things and just kind of like, you know, do a parody of it or something. So it was crazy that he <laughs> needed to drink parody. a whole bottle and then just rip it. I'll the tell you what, it is very hard to write a good parody of an unpublished novel that nobody's read. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to convince people. You yeah, think, you're saying... J- Jughead is going to walk out of there with Scary Movie 4 or something. That's right. Be like, hey, Mr. Hot Dog, here you go. He would love this. This is genius. It's got pages and everything. Oh, this. this Those clip binders, those bronze binders you put through. You three hole punched it. Oh, this is great. Excuse me, Mr. Hot Dog, do you know how to read? Read? (laughs) No, I, I sell books. I don't read them. I'm just asking for the pages. I don't care about the words, buddy. Nobody buys books for the words. They buy them for the pages. Everybody loves pages. Yeah, I ran out of hot dog buns because I couldn't afford them, so I <laughs> used the pages as hot dog buns. I fold them up like this, put the hot dog in it. Doesn't taste good, but it's a vehicle for the hot dog. It's a vehicle for the hot dog. Uh, no, we got it. We got <laughs> okay. it. You don't need to keep going with that. Um, so 
<laughs> I just <laughs> quick just pivot to, for that. Go ahead. Quick pivot, difficult pivot. Let me be honest. Uh, <laughs> but let me just say, uh, Pete and I obviously come to blows a lot. As uh, me, Barchi, Pete, Bughead, Alex, Barchi, obviously Pete, Bughead. switching gears whenever the fucking wind blows, whichever direction <laughs> right. he wants That's to right. do, because yep, yep. he's a, a sociopath. Uh, <laughs> but because it's true. I, I think in our lives now we're both in trouble here. What? There's no. There's no. The Bughead scene was one of the lowest points of this show. I think. What are you? That scene was no, no, dark that was... and sad. Wait, let me finish, and then you, please, I will expect your, I will expect your rebuttal. Uh, it was dark and sad, and the way it ended was, I think, disastrous for their potential future relationship. Meanwhile, so over here, I'm like, oh, great, the door's open for Barchi. Barchi's not even a, a whiff in the air for these characters. <laughs> There's nothing here. So I, I feel like we're at a, uh, an open road here. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Pete, rebuttal. Okay, thank you. So, important part here, and what you're missing, is that they hung well, out. I've they never text- heard you sound so good. You're just near the microphone. It's great. <laughs> uh, they, they're texting. They're having back and forth. They're oh, having texting. dialogue. They're in each other's lives. They're sitting down. They're having conversations. Yeah, maybe one of them trails off and gets real. D- I I thought Betty was just gonna look at Jughead and be like, "I'm dark, Betty. You don't know what it's like." Uh, but I thought it was super rude for Jughead to take that phone call. He did a lot of great things on that phone call, and I was proud of him for coming clean. But when you're in a sex bunker with Betty Cooper, you don't answer the motherfucking phone. Well, I also I think it's very clear that the sex bunker has Wi-Fi because mm. otherwise, how is he going to get a call? In the, that's what I was focusing. We've on. We've already established that it has great cell reception constantly yeah. on that. Yeah, so, a lot of phone calls, a lot of shell. I, I thought reception. this was really interesting. This is not at all what I expected from the scene. What I had expected was a real, not even a sense of closure necessarily for Bughead, but something in terms of putting the past behind them and then being able to move what? forward. No, either as a couple or not, we didn't know, but I thought there was going to be a real, like, a discussion here between them of, hey, this is what happened in the past, this is what why this happened, and to the point that Justin's saying, end up on more of a up place with each other where they were ready to move forward and be like, we got these mysteries that are going on, there are mothmen in the town, there's truckers on the lonely highway, you know what, let's team up and beat this madness once again. Like, that's what I expected, and that's not... At all, what we got? Pete is doing no. back up the truck. All right, back yeah. So hey, you know, yes, but we gotta get there, okay? You can't fast forward this relationship. You gotta have some awkward conversations. You gotta sometimes drink and tell world stories and be like, "Listen, you don't know how dark it's been since you've left." I've only related to serial killers. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta work through some stuff. And then hopefully they'll get back out uh, to teaming up again and solving mysteries. But it's got to get weird for a little bit. Betty's going through so much. She needs to kind of be able to. And right now, the only person she's talking to is Jughead. And what's nice is Jughead. Had, would, would you let me get there? Jughead then was like, hey, listen, I need some help with Betty because I'm not helping right now. And Betty's in the tarp place. So he goes, Tabitha, help me out. So hopefully 
little Tabitha and Betty team up can help Betty kind of deal with this whole serial killer obsession. I don't know what's going on, but we're going to get to a lot more stuff with that and then get her back into a good place so that uh, we can get jug- a bughead going again. I just don't think it's going to get there. I feel like this you scene, don't... their conversation, their, I, I know, hold on, their conversation was like conf- a lot of confession, very cathartic, but it was yeah. never about, It was they were talking only about themselves to each other. It was like, like saying what they did and why they weren't there for each other, confessing that they're both addicts. And the fact, uh, the biggest thing for me was the fact that he gets off the phone and she's gone. That mm-hmm. feels like, that feels like she's out of. Well, this. she left she, as soon they, as he answered the phone. Cause that's so rude. Might as well leave right there. <laughs> yeah. She was insulted. She was like, well, I never. And stood yeah, up. You can, you can just hear took her doilies, all of her doilies and just walked right out of there. Uh, what I was getting to, though, is that I was expecting one thing with the scene. We got a very different thing. And I do think the vibe of the scene was very interesting to what we're talking about, yeah. that the way they approached it, it was the way that I read it was it was not necessarily about Bughead or their relationship or anything like that. It was about the two very different addiction slash recovery paths yeah. that these characters are going on. The vibe of it felt a lot more like two drunks talking at a bar, you know, yeah. being like, oh, this is fucking bad in my life. And this is and bad. Like, and then the oh, yeah, you think like, that's bad. bad. I was fucking in a pit with a trash bag killer. You don't yeah, know exactly. Well, and, and, oh, yeah, and well, I was Jughead is at a different point in that path than Betty is right now. Jughead yeah. has already admitted that he has a problem. He's fallen off the wagon. That is a thing that happens all of the time. But he he's knows rock that. bottom. Yeah. When he had that rat in his mouth. And he was like, that's the low point. And Betty's Once you not go there yet. Rat. Yeah. You never but, go. But that's the thing. What's nice is Betty is opening up to Jughead. Mm-hmm. Like there is a communication path. It's maybe not the most romantic conversation, but it's still opening Absolutely. up a well, communication. Well, all I'm saying here is I thought this was interesting because it was more about the individual characters and where they are than necessarily the couple. And that's a fascinating thing to hit, particularly because as viewers, we put so much into that relationship with Betty and Jughead, regardless of how you fare about it. It has so much weight and gravity behind it to instead take this very important scene for the show and for the season and instead make it about... Wait, Jughead is like, not to put a percentage point on it, but 15% ahead of where Betty is, and Betty isn't quite there yet, is an interesting way to write and play the scene. But yeah. I think we don't quite know if Betty's going to come out of it. Like, no. she is, she's still on a downward track, I think. And yeah. in this episode, I think it's very telling that we don't ever get um, a, an arc with her, a plot with her, because we're just seeing her from a distance. She is so isolated and so away from everyone. She's like almost you know, feels a little too far gone. I don't, yeah. I think she will well, come back from it. But I, I, let me just say to your analogy from a moment ago, two drunks talking in a bar, as a bartender, former bartender, it's very rare when those two drunks spend the night talking to each other, are they making out in the bathroom later? <laughs> so like, fr- so what I'm saying is, this feels like Bughead is not coming out. Oh, don't. From, you're, you're- at least not this season. And I will just slightly keep the door open for Barchi because that's where my life is, kid. No, no but first off, <laughs> the, yeah, that's the, they got you right where they want you. You're not, it, but it's gonna get there. It's you got to stay patient, and I feel like we're gonna get Bughead. Um, but I do love where Betty is. Betty's not lying to 
Jughead. She's not lying to herself. She is like being like, I'm in a really tough, dark place. I'm loving being Dark Betty right now a little too much, and it's scaring me. And I feel like that's, I'm glad that we're going to get, like, hopefully moving forward, Betty really kind of dealing with this because there's so much we want to know about what has happened to her. And uh, just one little note. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Justin. You sound a lot like the ex-cons in Cheryl's church believing in her bee taming when you (laughs) believe in Bughead that way. The Bughead you believe in are those bees. Is what I'm talking about. The one note of Buttighead that we do get that I think is vitally important for the relationship is we do find out the reason that Betty did not go to the book release party is because she was tracking down the TBK. She wasn't necessarily down at a hole or anything like that, but Could've that, that, Could, that was the reason she wasn't there, which I thought was nice to bring it back to that. Now, one thing that I do want to talk about, the a character that's a very interesting place because of the storyline is Tabitha, where... Yeah. We've discussed over the course of the past season, Tabitha, great, but Tabitha also very much in a supporting role in Jughead's storyline a lot of the time. She has moved over to being in a supporting role in Betty's storyline, and now in this episode, I thought it was a little strange that she basically pivoted and now she's supporting both of them. You know, I... This comes out of my want of Tabitha to have her own storyline and her own impetus, which we've already gotten in terms of franchising pops. There's a part of me that almost feels like her character would be better served being over at Veronica and Reggie's storyline, working with them on the whole money thing, potentially, um, versus just being the absolute nicest person in the world and supporting Betty and Jughead no matter what. I don't know that she needs to be there to solve all their problems because they need to solve their problems and they need to do it. But I'm curious to hear from you guys. I agree with you. It does feel weird. When she had her scene with Jughead, I was like, oh, this feels like a relationship that was was, this that was good. No, and I mean, I'm not I just mean this. This is my take on it. it. This felt like a relationship that was going someplace and then just got abruptly cut off sort of at the knees and just isn't happening. And honestly, the sort of romantic energy here in the show is with Tabitha and Betty. It feels like they have, I'm not saying they're going to have a relationship or anything, but it just feels like that's where the the chemistry is. Tabitha feels like she cares for Jughead and wants him to be safe from a friend point of view, but she's out there chasing Betty to try to save her and protect her. Uh, I There was a nice moment there where Jughead was like, why are you so nice to me? Like, why are you always helping me? And it was nice because she was like, listen, uh, you were, you know, you were one of the only customers who was there at Pops all the time. And, you know, I feel like we've been taking your money for cheeseburgers for a really long time. So I'm just looking out for the interest of the restaurant. I thought that was nice the way she just kind of put it out there like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I remember that scene very well, Pete. Thank you for bringing that up. Point yep. being, I think this is where we are with Tabitha right now, but going forward, particularly as she's going to be in season six as well, I do hope we get her other people lifting up her storyline like we got in the Pussycats episode versus the other way around. I do I do, I do nice agree with that. Forward. I want yeah. more Tabitha doing her own kind of things for her own is- interest for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it is nice that, uh, you know, she is helping out uh, Betty, hopefully uh, not be turned completely into dark Betty. Well, I... Jughead has a really bad feeling about what's coming next. Uh, so. 
Not great. Not great as we add into the last couple of episodes of the season. Why don't we move on to some questions and comments and theories here? Uh, I do have one more note. One more note. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, The scene where Weatherby and Jughead, he's like, You've missed weeks of work. You didn't even get a sub. Honestly, all of you teachers are never here and never have subs. What's going on here? Fortunately, we're not an actual town. Otherwise, uh, this would be a crime. Well, didn't they make all that money off of Josie and the Pussycats fundraiser? So that's going to save Riverdale for sure. So they're probably a town again. Are there students? <laughs> are there children in this town? Great question. Because I haven't seen only the first couple episodes when they were like when Veronica was making up money. Uh, did we see students? And I haven't seen a child in Riverdale High since. We do That's know that true. there are rabid dogs running around, which is something we haven't really dealt with, I think, as of yet. And while we're talking rabies, I believe Jughead has rabies. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's how that's, that's going to tie together is he got rabies for the rats that were crawling around in his mouth. He's now impervious to rabies and he can take down the packs of rabid dogs wandering the town. Interesting. I think it's more likely Jughead has rabies and he's been biting dogs, turning them rabid, and they've been running loose. Uh, uh, hunting uh, palladium or whatever. Real quick, do you guys uh, ship Rabhead, which is rabid dogs and Jughead? No, yeah. no, I don't. I, I ship do. rat mouth, uh, rat in Jughead's mouth. <laughs> I, I, I did want to say there was a, a a point in the show where Jughead shows up and sees a very sad Mrs. Cooper, and it was not like, "Hey, um, are you okay?" He was just like, "Oh, what? Betty's off doing something uh, that maybe I should be concerned about." Cool, I'm not going to really look into that too much. So I was a little upset that Jughead didn't immediately leave that and go to the you know lonely highway and look for her. That's what I'm saying. I feel like Bughead is in the, right now, in the rear, I'm trying to be very conciliatory here with you, Pete. Bughead's in the rearview mirror with both Betty and Jughead right now, and I don't know if it's going to come out from that space soon. To the uh, point that you're well, saying, I appreciate I think, you nicely shitting on my hopes and dreams. No, I don't. Go fuck I, nothing is over until the show is over. First of all, second of all, over nothing is over. Yes, that's exactly my point. The other thing is the show doesn't necessarily seem really concerned with ships right now. They're concerned with plumbing through the trauma of the characters that they've got over over the time jump, and that's where they're focused right now. So yeah. If only there were two characters that said they have to deal with some stuff and then they're going to come back together. (laughs) Literally the arc of this season. Who who Uh, would those characters be? I mean, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to some comments. T.R. Zaniga on Instagram says, I got a good question for you guys. Even though Archie is the main character of the show and he gets a lot of screen time every episode, he's never part of the main mystery of the season or he gets involved Mm -hmm. at the end of it. What do you guys think about this? Isn't it weird for a show to treat its main character like that? Hope you read this one, guys, because I really want to know your opinion. Well, we read it. Great. (laughs) Yeah, we did read it. That's a great question. Very smart question. It is. But the thing is, Archie is not the smartest or the, you know what I mean? Like, you have to use him in ways that doesn't kind of like, I I think they're using him purposefully uh, uh, as as little as they can in, in smart ways, uh, if, if that makes sense. I, I like to see Archie in the law and order paradigm. Like mm-hmm. he's the, he's the attorney in the second half who comes in and is like, I don't know, guilty. Let's 
try this person or whatever uh, when everyone else is sort of on the law side dealing with the mysteries getting everything set up for Archie to come in and be like attacked by a bear have to fight uh, a random person um you know he's going to start my own warrior. game well, I mean, yeah. it's been this way since season one with little touches here and there, as uh, this person mentions, right? That even the first season, it was like, ah, Jason Blossom was murdered. Who did it? We have to look into this twisty mystery all over town. And meanwhile, Archie's like, I like music. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play songs. So I think you just have to accept that's part of the show at a certain point. Five seasons in. It's fine to not like that, but also recognize, well, you've watched five seasons of the show, so you've kind of accepted that fact at this point. I think they're treating like Archie like Jaws. You know what I mean? They talk about him every once in a while. People mm. kind of get scared of him, and then he shows up and makes things weird. I really don't know what you're talking about anymore, Pete. Let's move on to talk about Ryan Henslaw on Twitter says, what do you think of Cheryl's ministry storyline? Do you think Cheryl is holy? Do you think Shoney will have, still get back together this season, or do you think we will have to wait until season six? We're going to have to wait, but hopefully it'll be worth the wait. I think we've talked about this before, but my impression right now is I think somehow, and I don't know how it comes out of this storyline, but Cheryl and Tony will reach a better spot by the end of the season. Maybe when we get you know two episodes beyond and Cheryl's like, oh, wait, no, actually, I'm not holy. I'm just back to normal. Uh, but I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, and no, I don't think she's holy. Even if they go full on, like she is causing light to come out and whatever of her hands, you're never going to have things that are fully supernatural on the show. There's always going to be some explanation at the end of the day. This is from Cynthia on Twitter. I have a couple of questions. Last episode with Bughead, uh, did Cole and Lily shoot their scenes separately? They were all single shots, looked weird. Also, do you have any info on the first five oh. episodes in season six? Ritter Garcasa gave the impression they are AU alternate universe. Uh, so a couple of things there. There was a lot of discussion about this, first of all, in terms of uh, that scene with Bughead talking. Um I personally, I don't think it matters whether they shot their scenes separately. You know, that's just a thing that happens sometimes. I mean, particularly in COVID times, they got to, you know, change up the actor's schedules every now and again. Um, so that's fine if they weren't in the same place because of that. But also, I think there was a stylistic choice there, like we were talking about, where Betty and Jughead were separate. That's why they were in single shots. And then, therefore, because you're putting them in single shots and they're going to be recording all night, Justin, I'm sure you can speak to this, you don't have yes. the other actor sitting there all night walking off of them. You have them doing their lines that way. Yeah, that's all line producers know this shit. That's not what that job is. Uh, the uh, Nor is that a job I do. The Yes, of course. Um, when you're usually doing the coverage of one actor or the other one, depending on the schedule, is sometimes there to read lines, but then they're just not fully in it you're just sort of reading lines to so you don't have to be spending all of your energy doing that then you flip around and get the other uh single and the other actor gets to take a break yeah there was also a shot right at the beginning with the two of them in it but ultimately i do think it was to emphasize the fact that they were separated that they were on these very different journeys and i agree i think that was a, a directorial choice to be like these people aren't at all together so we are seeing their separate Not, worlds cutting back and forth. take it easy there Take it not, easy. That was just they're not together. They're not relating to each other. They're not in a relationship. No, that's they're not, just no. speaking from camera angles. They're not <laughs> shipped at all, and they, oh. they will never speaking be as a line sort of in. Yeah, 
Speaking as a uh, line producer. And the other question here is info on the first five episodes of season six. So there was a little bit that came out uh, from a TV line interview. They were doing their fall preview. I believe we've known for a while that the first five episodes are going to be a five episode event kicking off in November, mostly to give them a little more time to prep the episodes because COVID is slowing everything down. Uh, But we found out that they are in fact going to be full on horror is what we've been told. They call it River Vale, is what they've been calling it internally. Uh, And it's going to have very much its own plot arc for those five episodes. So, I first of all, I don't think it's AU. I don't think it's going to be an alternate universe, even though I think that would be a lot of fun if they did do it. Because we've heard a couple of times they are going to be continuing the character arcs and emotional arcs from season five into season six. So I don't think you'd do that if it's a totally different alternate universe that's not catted, right? I mean, I hear you, but also if they did just to springboard into a full afterlife with Archie zombie mm-hmm. thing where we follow all the same story arcs brought to their most extreme and then we just hop back out of it after the five episode event, I think that could work and that would be a blast. They're taking more risks with the show, as we saw in this episode with the Cheryl storyline. Let's go all the way. Pete, what do you think? I, I don't know, man. I think it's... I mean, how crazy can you... You know what I mean? Like, let's not just get two bananas. Let's, you know, take it easy. Give a little a little uh, uh, character development. I, I don't know, man. Well, they've been filming a lot of stuff. I don't know how many episodes this is, but certainly putting up a lot of pictures at some sort of fall fair or something like that. So I do wonder if we're going to get some sort of terrifying harvest festival type arc for the first five episodes or something. I mean, either way, whether it's something that does sort of stretch the bounds of the reality of the show or if it is just a more compressed uh, horror storyline, it feels like they're going to do a full on horror movie. We're just going to see, it could be like the revenge of the trash bag killer. It could be any number of things that that bring one horrifying situation or villain to bear on the town. And they have to band together and fight together, which I would love the idea of just like a full five episode ensemble mm-hmm. run. Because we, we haven't gotten that in so long. Everyone's been separate and they come together at the end. But if there's a full on ensemble. Well, but here's the other thing. Not to interrupt you over there, Justin, but the other thing is that we know that it's going to be good versus evil and that people are going to be split into sides. So I think we might even potentially see a clearing of the decks with Hiram by the end of the season and Veronica maybe ascended leading people. Cheryl maybe leading people. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, let's... Uh, I think we probably have time for one or two more questions here. So let's get to this. This is uh, Sarah without an H on Twitter. I feel like B and T are the new B and V. This is the type of friendship we should have been seeing for B and V the last few seasons, but never mm-hmm. got. And now seems to be like a bughead replacing two. Will Tabitha continue to be a static character to Jughead and Betty, or will she delve into her own arc? We discussed this a little bit, but what do you think? Is she going to get an, her own arc down the road? I hope so because, uh, you know she is, uh, she is great in the stuff that she's been doing. So I really hope that she gets more, and we get to kind of get a little bit, you know, spend some more time in in the B world and uh, and B and T. 
the B world of B and T. Yes, I got very confused because I thought you were talking about Cheryl as the B world because she's in the B world. Well, that's the, she's the queen. B E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B E. Uh, uh, speaking. Of, uh, yeah, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, um, yeah, Tabitha definitely feels like you know she. We just met her uh, recently, so like I think she is sort of growing. She's getting into her role, and uh, I think definitely she could expand out from this season. She's taken up a lot of space this season in a good way. So I could definitely see her really having her own uh, stuff going on coming soon. Next up, this is from Jenny on Twitter. Theory, now that we know for sure that the music will be next to normal, the bughead scene today could lead to the conver- uh, conversion conversation about drug alcohol abuse, which is part of one of the Hey songs. For those who don't know what that's talking about, the 18th episode is going to be the official musical episode. It seems like it's going to be adapting songs from next to normal the uh, off-Broadway hit show that was about addiction and about a grieving mom. The framing through the synopsis is that Alice is doesn't want to deal with anything and so sets up this musical fantasy lad that presumably has songs from Next to Normal in it. And the Hey songs have been speculated about a lot because they're particularly between two young characters that seem a lot like Betty and Jughead. I'm very curious personally to see how the musical executes itself, given that it's all through Alice's perspective or seems to be all through Alice's perspective. So I think that changes a lot of the speculation about what it could be and what can happen there, because it's much more about what Alice wants to see and what's actually happening to her versus potentially what's happening in the show. Uh, Yeah, I I love that as a sort of Alice feels like she's been just going through it very uh, visibly for the last few episodes. So I think she's definitely set up to do that. And I'm curious to see what will come out of that from a a relationship point of view. Um, Because the song, the musical and the songs don't feel especially romance-based. Yeah. And last one we got, oh, go ahead, Pete. You were going to say something about the musical? Yeah, I think it's going to be bear-based. The musical Mm -hmm. is mainly going to be bear singing. Great. Actual singing bear? Yeah. Yeah, I, they're going to be singing about how Archie uh, was the one who, you know, invaded them. The one that got away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ship it. Nice. Hashtag Bear Chi. Last but not least, Bear this is from Chi. Nelson on Twitter. What food do you pair when drinking a nice tall glass of maple syrup? And would you guys like to see a spinoff series of just Cheryl and her life as Queen of the Bees? Wow. Uh, I mean, yes. always, always more Cheryl. So, yes. Um. I don't know. I mean, waffles. Waffles and syrup is my pairing. Mm. Nice. Separate, though, the waffles are uh, eat on a plate and you just drink the syrup. Mm-hmm. Sort of yeah, shake exactly. it in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. And then eat the, shove the waffle in. That's the way I like to do it. I drink a gallon of syrup and then much later in the day I eat uh, several, <laughs> several dry-ass pancakes. Smart way to do it. I think I already established that my pairing is communion wafers. And yes, absolutely would love to see Cheryl and her life as Queen of the Bees. That's the spinoff we want. Not Josie and the Pussycats. Forget that. Yeah. Give me Queen of the Bees instead. Cheryl and the Bees. Cheryl and the Josie Bees. and the Pussycats. Yes, I'm uh, kidding, by the way. Please give us a Josie and the Pussycats spinoff. That would be great. I, I ahead, was Pete. thinking about, uh, I was circling back to the horror idea, um, and I, I, I think it would be fun if, like, you know, the trash bag killer comes and then the queen of the bees like attacks. And just when you think like Cheryl is going to lose and get uh, killed by the trash bag killer, Cheryl's mom comes out from behind the wall and stabs the trash bag killer. Uh, that's that's great. Wow. Pete writing a whole story. Here's the thing. If you're if you're made your fortune on maple syrup, you're going to suddenly get into honey. 
I don't know. Not Ooh. a good move uh, from a uh, uh, You know, they're complimentary. I'm not going to be mad. Complimentary? What do you, yeah, have? you, you, you go over to a farm stand and they're and like, then, hey, we have maple syrup and honey. You're like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to diversify, I, you don't want to go. <laughs> I, I'm always <laughs> yelling, absolutely hauling off on, <laughs> on, on well, the farm. Let's stop off at this. Stand. We've been driving for 150 miles. Let's stop at this farm stand. hope they only have maple syrup. Yep. Wait, 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 pull over. Look at this. Look at this Look farm at stand. This. Look at this, Look at this farm stand with all these syrups. <laughs> Let me get them! That's what I say. Uh, I'm just saying, it's not like you have breakfast, you pour out a bunch of maple syrup on your plate, and you're like, hmm, not sweet enough. Let me top it with some pure old bee honey. <laughs> I mean, we've all done it. You need to choose tree juice or bee juice. Oh. Not both, Cheryl. Before we wrap up here, who was the MVP of this episode? Pete, I'll kick it over to you. MVP of the episode. No brainer. Uh, it was drinking Betty. Nothing better. Just her drinking, talking about her dark times and what yeah, she's that's going that's definitely, through. that was a good thing is what we all took away from that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go drink and do the same thing right now. Oh, drink great. and just slowly run your finger on the rim of your cup. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Talk Good. about no, some weird shit. No warning up. signs there. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely already covered the part about people having conversations at cross purposes and never meeting in the middle. So, Justin, over to you, MVP of the episode. I got to give it up for Veronica in this episode. What? This is such a fun. I know Cheryl took a lot of the fun energy in this episode oh, and yeah. was surely the wildest, but I just loved Veronica in this episode. I thought she was having fun. A lot of great takes uh, when it came to Reggie revealing shit and her speech at the end. That was great. I love that she got to both beat Chadwick and Hiram all in one swoop. She's got it going on. I would just like to quickly say the shots of like Cheryl's mom just like shaking her head at what Cheryl was doing was just it was so nice. It was so magical. You love Penelope. You do love Penelope. You keep she's talking about it. how she's gonna be in the walls and she's making faces. She's killing it. I Veronica was great, so I'm a little torn here, but I'm gonna give it up to Cheryl just because Cheryl was so much fun in this episode and so wildly over the top. I don't know where they're going or what they're going to be doing with this move at the end of her thinking she is a golden god of the bees. That's definitely a dicey place, as we talked about, uh, leaving her in. But hey, Madeline Patch having a ton of fun with the role, as always, yes. absolutely killing it. If also, you, yes. Archie, we, you know, we did that scene where he cried and got the single tear. That was pretty good. Pete, you just liked everybody, huh? Yep. Good to be back, baby. Uh, it's great to have you back. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. And let's uh, lay out our official hashtags. Barchi, hashtag Barchi, hashtag Ratmouth, hashtag Man Monica. <laughs> End of show. Nope. <laughs>
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 